Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. It was his eighth grade earth science class that sparked John Whitmore's love of science and fossils. He decided at a young age that he wanted to be a paleontologist. Listen as he shares with your host, Mark Weinstein, about his journey to Cedarville and geology. Thank you, Sarah, for the introduction, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, and it's hard to imagine that we're one month into the current academic year, campus is buzzing, and homecoming is just around the corner. I hope to see you on campus for these annual festivities. My guest today should not be a stranger to you as Dr. John Whitmore is internationally known as a scholar on creation, and he has a strong relationship with our ministry partners at the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. Dr. Whitmore, before coming to Cedarville University in 1991, taught high school math and science. He also spent a summer working for the United States Geological Survey. Today, Dr. Whitmore is Senior Professor of Geology at Cedarville, and he sits on the board of the Creation Geology Society and is a member of the Creation Research Society and the Geological Society of America. He is the author of numerous journal articles, book chapters on creation, Dr. Whitmore is also the co-author of The Heavens and the Earth, a college-level earth science textbook. He speaks internationally on topics of creation, Noah's flood, and has led many trips to the Grand Canyon with answers in Genesis and Canyon Ministries. Dr. Whitmore holds a doctoral degree in biology from Loma Linda University, a master's degree in geology from the Institute for Creation Research, and a bachelor's degree from Kent State University. And with that said, it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. John Whitmore to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. Great to have you in studio, Dr. Whitmore. Hi, Mark. It's great to be here with you today. We have a lot to talk about. I could probably ask you one question. You could fill the whole <laughs> 35 minutes. But um, with that said, uh, let's begin with really the fundamental reason why you're here. I believe you're here at Cedarville, and that is your faith in Jesus Christ. Can yeah. you share with us your testimony? Yeah, I became a Christian as a young person. My whole family came to Christ, actually, uh, during that time. And I began to become interested in, in geology and earth science and fossils and things like that uh, after a really good earth science class in eighth grade. And the uh, teachers gave us an incentive uh, for the 30 best students in the uh, junior high. Uh, they would take us fossil hunting uh, wow. for a week around Ohio after school let out. and. I was able to go on that trip after my eighth grade year and after my ninth grade year as well. And it was about that time I really decided I wanted to become a paleontologist. Okay. And interestingly enough, even though I was so passionate about geology and fossils, I never really had put two and two together. And I had read scripture, but I really hadn't thought about, you know, the millions of years I was reading about and evolution and, and yeah. things like that. And I ended up uh, going to Kent State University, which was not uh, far from where I grew up, okay. and was in the honors program, uh, started geology. And in the honors program at Kent, uh, you had to pick a English class that lasted a whole year. It was a small English class, maybe a dozen students, and the professors had published uh, their syllabi ahead of time so you could pick one. And I picked a professor that had the Pentateuch, uh, the Book of Job, and really? some other things in the curriculum. And uh, because I was interested in, in the Word and so on. 
and it was the hardest class I ever took. <laughs> really? My freshman year. And boy, that guy was hard. But uh, spring semester, he gave us a book list. And on that book list uh, was The Origin of Species. And our assignment was to write a fairly lengthy paper on the book that we chose. And it was during that spring semester, all of a sudden, uh, worlds collided. Yeah. Um, I didn't know uh, how to put evolution together with scripture. Sure. Uh, I'd been learning about the age of the earth, uh, evolution. I just read Darwin and I'm sitting down ready to write this paper uh, late spring semester. And I didn't know what to do. Wow. Um, I uh, made an attempt to try to take the best of evolutionary theory and the, and the best of scripture and try to weave them together uh, somehow. And when I turned that paper in, I just didn't feel right. Mm. I, I think it was the Holy Spirit convicting me. Um, I knew that I had done disservice to the Word of God. I, I knew that I had come up with an idea to try to fit evolution and uh, Scripture together that didn't match the Word of God. And um, I felt really bad about that, uh, convicted about that. And it was at that point I really began to search out how uh, geology, uh, fossils, and things like that went together uh, with God's Word. Mm. And eventually um, I realized that the, that the geologic record, all these fossils I was collecting, were made by the flood. That was my big hang-up. It wasn't the age of the earth or, or really even evolution at that time. It was, was the flood. And as I began to, to study and learn more things, I realized all these uh, marine rock layers were covering the continents. And I, I became a young earth creationist mm -hmm. because I could find marine fossils here in Ohio and Kansas and South Dakota and on and on. The Wherever you went. Places. Yeah, Grand Canyon. And I became a young earth creationist. I, I did really well at Kent, and I was a senior uh, working with one of the professors at Kent, an expert on uh, uh, crabs and crustacea and, mm -hmm. and things like that. I was working with some South American specimens. And uh, I, I decided I needed to tell this guy where I, where I stood. Yeah, And so I did and had already been accepted into the graduate program at Kent and so on. Uh, but after a long discussion <laughs> one afternoon, he said, John, if, if – uh, this is the position that you're going to take. You can't come back to Kent. Really? And I was, I was just devastated. But, you know, that was God uh, closing a door right. that I was ready to walk through. And uh, at that point, um, ended up doing some searching and uh, looking around and, and ended up going to Institute for Creation Research. And uh, that that is where I really learned how to do good field work, good observation, and got some good training in uh, creation. And that's what really led me down the path uh, okay. to where I am today. So one thing, you, actually, you just answered all my questions for the whole podcast, so that's great. But I'm going to go into something you said. You got turned on to geology by, you said an eighth grade teacher? Mm -hmm. Okay. So speak to how that teacher, he, that teacher really influenced your career yeah. as well. Because did you always think you'd go into teaching or did that teacher uh, help you <laughs> move in that way? I had 
no desire at all to go into teaching at that time. I was uh, shy. I didn't like uh, getting up in groups to in really? front of groups of people and stuff like that. And what really got me into teaching was uh, after I was just about done with my graduate career, uh, there was a church secretary uh, that my parents knew, and uh, she knew me as well, and said, uh, "John, we need." somebody to come and teach science and math for a couple of weeks uh, to fill yeah. in until we can find a teacher. It was a small high school. There's 30 students in the high school, I think. Okay. So there's just uh, two of us, but I ended up taking that temporary position that lasted three years. Yeah. And that's where I really found out I like to teach. And sometimes God has to put uh, those uh, situations in front of you. It was really instrumental for me because I didn't know how to teach, but right. you know that's where I cut my teeth yeah. and learned how to teach. And probably with that, without that, I'd never uh, been able to come to Cedarville. Yeah, and you know the Lord often um, uses situations like that, closes doors, opens yeah. doors, and it's confusing sometimes. But uh, I've been part of several of those open <laughs> and closed doors in, uh, in my life. So, as I mentioned in the introduction, John, you are known as a scholar in the area of literal six day creation. Mm -hmm but you haven't always been a young earth supporter. How did you come to believe that young earth was biblically true? Yeah, it was, uh, as I was, uh, going through my undergraduate, uh, career, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the experience, uh, reading the origin of species and having to, to write that paper for my English class, uh, really made me aware of the issues. Yeah. Uh, but, um, as I did some reading and some thinking and, uh, you know, considered, uh, God's word. I, I knew that God's word was true. Sure. And so wherever I came down in the position, I knew it had to match up with God's word. And so as I began to, to think about the geologic record, and as I began to learn a little bit more about geology, I learned the geological record was quite consistent with what scripture said, especially with the flood. I had uh, studied paleontology, and one of the things in, in paleontology is that the fossil record starts immediately uh, deep down in what we call the Cambrian rocks. And there are no uh, organisms to show the evolutionary sequence from, say, bacteria to things like trilobites and snails and huh. fish and, and mm -hmm. other things like that. They just show up mm -hmm. immediately in the rock record. And as I began to realize those things and the really the incapability of evolution of explaining those things, I think that really guided me uh, toward a literal understanding of Scripture. Yeah. As you think about the literal six-day creation, you think about young earth and how that impacts you, how should our listeners, how can it impact their lives? How should they look at life through this lens? Yeah, I, I don't think it really matters, Mark, uh, what, what field of study uh, that we're in or uh, what position in life we're in and so on. Um, I think one of the most important things is um, God's Word is so foundational for everything that we do. Yeah. Uh, no matter if we're a, a scientist or a teacher in the school or a, a blue-collar worker somewhere, uh, whatever we do, um, God's word is foundational, and you know that that needs to be the the centerpiece, uh, the focus um, of our of our lives. Uh, our mind needs to be stayed on on God's word and and everything that we do and think about. And uh, 
I think that's the most important part. And I think that's why, you know, I felt uh, so convicted after I turned in that freshman uh, yeah. paper is that, you know, I hadn't seriously considered God's word and I tried to make God's word say something that it didn't say. That's a valuable lesson right there because it can be very easy to make God's word say mm -hmm. what we're trying to think. Do you see, even here at Cedarville, any of that playing out uh, among yeah, your students? There's, there's huge temptation. Um, I, I get students in that, that you know, uh, have a lot of questions. You know, does creation really matter? Does the age of the earth uh, really matter? Uh, does it matter if God created in, in six days and six million years and right. six billion years? And, and it does. And, and the reason that it matters is that's... You know, it said God's word says it was created in six days. It doesn't say He created instantaneously. It doesn't say He created over six million years or billion years. Yeah. It says He created in six days, and He established a pattern for us. And then, not only did God um, establish that pattern for us, but when we get to the New Testament, uh, especially in the Gospel of John, um, the Gospel of John starts off with creation. Yeah, it starts off with Jesus Christ as as the Creator, and and Him, uh, He is the one that called the the creation into existence in Genesis one, and then uh, John goes further uh, throughout the Gospel of John. Um, John demonstrates that Jesus Christ is the Creator by the miracles that Jesus did. So the very first one, the water and the wine, yeah. or the uh, the fishes and the bread. I would have loved to see yeah. that miracle just. You know, fishes and bread just just magically appearing right. uh, somehow, and you know, on and on. Seven miracles in the Book of John, and they're all miracles of creation. And uh, so, I, I think it's uh, really important to go back to God's Word and and see what it really says. So, this is a probably a deep question. Why is it hard for people to not accept yeah. the literal <laughs> six day creation? I think it's hard because of peers. Uh, it's hard because of what others say, and we're afraid of what others will think. Okay. Uh, others will think that that we're a kook or a nut, and and they do. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, I was afraid of that, uh, afraid of talking to my professor at Kent uh, because of that. And you know, I saw him uh, years later, and he came up to me at a, a geological meeting, and you know, says, "Are you still doing that creation thing?" Like you know, it was the most ridiculous thing in the world, but. Yeah. Um, it, uh, I, I think that's, that, that's why, uh, people, uh, look for ways, uh, to what I call harmonize, uh, scripture and geology and the age of the earth is because they don't want to look foolish in front yeah. of their colleagues. And it, it, it goes deep within Christianity. It's, there's seminary professors out there who are teaching their students to reinterpret Genesis and to mm. incorporate uh, evolution wow. uh, within Genesis, and you know the days of Genesis aren't literal, and on and on. And these are this is happening in some of our uh, most well-known and and conservative seminaries, wow. and it just it just breaks my heart because uh, they're making Scripture say something right. that isn't there. John, you've been at Cedarville University now 31 years. Mm -hmm. You don't look old enough to be here that <laughs> long. But during your time, you've led many trips to national parks, including the Grand Canyon. Do you have a favorite trip 
or experience from these expeditions oh, with man. Cedarville students. I mean, I, you could talk the rest <laughs> of the hour on this. I've been uh, literally all over the world uh, teaching and, and doing research, uh, speaking in churches. Um, I've been to Peru uh, four times. There's a missionary couple uh, in Peru that uh, just lines me up for, you know, 10 days to do 20 different speaking engagements really? in universities and churches and uh, youth groups and things like that. Uh, those have been uh, some of my favorite times. Um, I've taken a number of students on field trips, uh, both in national parks trips. I don't know how many of those I've, I've led over the years, but also I think uh, as, as teaching geology students and teaching students in our geology major, uh, one of the most important things that a young geologist can do is go out and see the rocks. Um, in my opinion, the, the best geologists are the ones that have seen the most rocks. And so for that reason, I take our students to Grand Canyon. We went uh, backpacking for four nights this uh, past January mm -hmm. in Grand Canyon with 10 of our geology majors. Um, those trips are usually part of a course. Uh, so that was with our sedimentology and, and stratigraphy right. course. And those experiences are not just fun. They're, um, the students learn so much more than just sitting yeah. in the classroom looking at pictures or, you know, listening to the teaching. I, I like doing that, but it's uh, uh, so much more impactful uh, when you can be out in a place like yeah. Grand Canyon or Yellowstone or Mount right. St. Helens. How do you see or how have you seen your students impacted by these trips? I have. I had no idea what that when we started the the geology program back in 2009, uh, how many students we'd get, uh, how many graduates we'd get, where they'd end up. Um, but we, I think we've we have over 50 geology graduates now, and uh, I think we have maybe six or seven of those graduates have gone on and gotten PhDs. Okay. Um, we've had. People get PhDs in paleontology, and one just got a PhD this past summer in volcanology. Wow. Um, different kinds of sedimentary rocks and, and so on. We have uh, geologists that are working all over the country in environmental uh, types of things, uh, oil and gas, uh, groundwater, uh, things like that. And it it's just really exciting to see uh, the, the type of work and the impact uh, that our students are making. I had no idea that was going to happen. What kind of impact are they program. having? I'm not going to give any names to protect them. Some sure. of them are kind of, you know, working undercover. Uh, but they've been publishing articles in, in major journals okay. and uh, publishing books and, and things like that. And uh, some are not shy about being creationists. Um, just this past uh, a uh, year, uh, Matt, Dr. Matt McLean uh, from Masters University was our young alumnus of the year, and uh, he's been making a big impact. He actually started a geology program out at Masters, so a, a second uh, Young Earth uh, geology program. They're making some big impacts, and, yeah. and they're actually, uh, some of them are writing articles, uh, even though they're known Young Earth creationists, they're writing articles with uh, major authors in the secular community. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty, pretty cool. So as a professor who's built into the lives of these students, how does that make you feel? Uh, it, it humbles me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, in my opinion, I'm really nothing special. And it's just uh, cool to see. 
how God has has taken these students uh, with a little bit of education that I've given him and to the to the different heights he's taken these students. It's been uh, been really neat to to sit back and watch. Yeah, I love hearing your stories and thanks for sharing them today on the podcast. Still, we have a little bit more time. And I was told as I tried to prepare for today's podcast with you, it was a little bit of a challenge, even though mm-hmm. you're well documented, <laughs> so I could find things on you. But I, I learned of one trip that you took with um, maybe a college, maybe not even Cedarville students, but it was you and Buddy yes. Davis. Yeah. And you guys uncovered a skull of a dinosaur in a body of water. Can you relive that story for us? Yeah, this was uh, 1994. Um, it was uh, up in northern part of Alaska. Yep. And at that time, we were uh, collecting dinosaur bones to see if we could find original uh, biological molecules and especially carbon-14 in some of the bones. And we uh, had rented these three small uh, one- and two-person rafts to paddle down the Colville River uh, up, in, up in northern Alaska. And one day, we were going down along the edge of the river. The current was pretty quick. It was a good-sized river. And I saw this thing sitting on the shore. And I yelled behind me to Buddy Davis. Uh, Buddy, you know, now works for Answers in Genesis. He, you know, publishes all kinds of uh, little kids' books and, and things like that and does a lot of music and so forth. And he sculpted a lot of the dinosaurs at the Creation Museum as well. So he's a he's a real Renaissance man. But uh, we were going along the river, and I saw this thing sitting on the shore. And I yelled back to Buddy. I said, hey, Buddy, see if you can see what that thing is. And as we were going by, he reached out and picked up this 85-pound rock and plopped it in the bottom of the boat. Oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> he couldn't stop. And we pulled over uh, about 100 yards uh, downstream from there, uh, realized what it was. It was a jawbone of a dinosaur. It turns out it looks like it's a new species uh, of Lambiosaur. Uh, They're working on it at the uh, uh, University of Fairbanks uh, in Alaska. But a new species and a new location for dinosaur material in Alaska, too. We had already known about the dinosaurs uh, far further north uh, down the Culver River, and that was our destination. But uh, that was pretty incredible. And uh, we actually wrote an adventure book about that trip. Oh, did you? Uh, the Great Alaskan Dinosaur Adventure. Um, I, I still can't believe it's in print. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, I just got another royalty check from that a few weeks ago, and it, it's been you know over 20 years since we published that little book. But it's a a uh, kid's adventure book, uh, really. And uh, I think, you know, uh, upper elementary, junior high uh, yeah. kids would, would love uh, reading sure. those adventures that we had. That sounds like a, that sounds like a great discovery that you guys uh, yeah. found. What other discoveries have you found that are just amazing to you? Um, that uh, was definitely one of the uh, highlights of, of my career, uh, early on in my career. But I've, I've done work in uh, Wyoming with fossil fish. Uh, That's been uh, really cool. Uh, Last uh, 20 years or so, I've been working on the Coconino Sandstone in Grand Canyon. Uh, Have found some really neat things with that. Um, The Coconino was a a problem uh, for young earth creationists and for flood geologists. Uh, Many people uh, use that formation as uh, evidence that scripture is wrong. 
uh, about the flood. And the reason is that sandstone is supposed to be made in a desert. And we have found uh, considerable evidence that that's not the case, that it was clearly made underwater. Mm. And so that's probably been uh, one of my main uh, contributions to yeah. the scientific literature is the study of that sandstone. Okay. So as, as we prepare to close today's program, I want to stay in the Grand Canyon for a little bit. So for our listeners, the next time they go out to the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. what should they look for? What what tips can you give them that makes creation and God's work come alive to yeah. them? The Grand Canyon is such an incredible place. Um, I've been there I don't know how many times. I just uh, finished my 20th uh, raft trip uh, down the river uh, last week. I often do trips with Canyon Ministries and Answers in Genesis. But uh, most people will go to the rim of Grand Canyon and look over. And it's certainly uh, appropriate uh, uh, to, to be awe-inspired and to sure. praise God uh, for, the, for the beauty uh, that's there. Uh, one of the things um, I think people should realize about the canyon is that all those rocks uh, that you see, uh, especially the upper layers, uh, not not the ones deep down in, those are creation week rocks, but the upper layers were made during the flood. Mm. And as you sit there and uh, contemplate uh, the the beauty in the Grand Canyon, it should also be sobering. Uh, because those rocks are there as the result of man's sin. Uh, they're, they're there as a result of, of the flood. And so that's one of the things I would hope that people would come away with is that Scripture's true, uh, that God did send a flood on the earth, and we can see some of those layers in the Grand Canyon. Uh, some of those very layers in the Grand Canyon are under our feet uh, right here in Cedarville. They go all the way across the continent. Mm. Uh, all the way around the world. And so that's definitely uh, one of the highlights I hope they'd come away with uh, from the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon is literally evidence of the gospel. Yeah. It's evidence that God's word is true. Um, Jesus himself uh, talked about the flood. Jesus talked about the days of Noah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the best places in the world to go see the evidence of the flood is yeah. the Grand Canyon. Yeah. We are rapidly running out of time, but I, for the last question or two, I want to move into the area of a documentary that you're working on right now. Mm-hmm. It's called is Genesis history. Who are you working with on this documentary and what are the end goals? Yeah. Um, Thomas Purefoy from uh, compass cinema is a, uh, published a few years, produced a few years, uh, the Is Genesis History movie, uh, which many of you uh, may have seen. And we're working on kind of the sequel uh, to that. It, it involves uh, the rise of mountains. Okay. And so I've been working uh, with Dr. Snelling, uh, Del Tackett, and, and some others on that. And, and they're from the Creation Museum? Uh, they're, they're various places. Uh, Andrew Snelling's from the Creation Museum, uh, and we have scientists from other okay. areas as well. But um, the film is going to be about, uh, uh, is Genesis history, parts of that was really about the flood and the evidence for the flood. Uh, this film is going to be about uh, the rising of the mountains, especially in the western part of the United States, but really all over the world we yeah. see the same pattern. But, you know, what happened after the flood? Um, how are the most beautiful landscapes that we have in the world that we find in the western United States uh, produced? Yeah, And so... Uh, 
I'll be talking a little bit about uh, Grand Canyon. Dr. Snelling uh, is going to talk about some of the research that he's done there in Grand Canyon that directly involves the timing of the uh, mountain uplift. Um, I'll also talk about uh, uh, some of the fossil fish in, in Wyoming okay. and some of the work I've done there and the, the significance of those things uh, to our post-flood world. When do you expect this documentary to be completed? It'll be next year. Uh, like all things that, you know, there's, uh, it takes a lot of time to, yes. uh, to produce. We've uh, done uh, most of the filming. Uh, the film is currently being all put together. Okay. So. And you did one f- segment from campus, right? Yeah, we did. Actually, uh, Thomas Purefoy has been here with his crew uh, several times on campus. Uh, so, yeah. So how can we watch it once it's done? Once it's out yeah, there? the Is Genesis History was actually re- released in movie theaters uh, for for a couple runs. Okay, uh, when that came out, I'm not sure if Thomas uh, has in mind the same thing for this film, uh, but I'm sure it'll be available uh, all different kinds of venues, uh, YouTube and and other places. So Netflix, those yeah. kinds of things. So my last question is: through your study of creation. How does that make your Bible reading come alive? Mm-hmm. You know, from black and white to living color. Yeah. D- does it? There's uh, so many places in Scripture that, that talk about creation and that talk about the flood. And uh, one of the places I often go is Second Peter chapter 3. Uh, Peter uh, says that it was by God's word that he brought the creation into existence uh, that it was by God's word that he brought the flood judgment onto the earth, and that it's also going to be by God's word that he's going to bring the uh, the final destruction. Judgment, yeah. And, um, you know, Peter wraps that up with two messages. Uh, the one for unbelievers is to repent. Right. <laughs> you know, God's word has come true in all these places. It's going to be true in the judgment as well. Right. And then for believers, uh, Peter says, you know, get your act together. <laughs> live, live holy and blameless lives. So, wow. Yeah. John, I could spend a lot more time with you, <laughs> but our time is up. I'm so glad we're colleagues here at Cedarville University. I, I learned much today, and I want to thank you for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory. Mm-hmm.